Hey, Bronwyn here, the voice of Alice Harlow. Have you subscribed to our Patreon yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Our lowest tier is only $3 a month or $36 a year, and will get you access to exclusive behind-the-scenes information and content. Higher tiers will get you early access to episodes and merch, blooper episodes, and super fun RPG one-shots. It's also an easy way to support us as independent artists and help us improve the quality of the show. So go now to patreon.com slash stationarcadia and pledge what you can. And make sure to stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear about the Cryptozoology podcast, Across the Veil. Thanks, and enjoy Episode 9, The Eternal Party. Welcome, anyone. When's the last time you really looked at the stars? You're listening to Station Arcadia. Listeners, it's interesting to think that there could be people listening in from anywhere, even all the way over in the Gannon Islands or the Empire. I know that technically this island, you know, drifts all over the world, but I always picture it as being just off the coast of Talsoria. That was where it was when I got here, I suppose. I think some of the others forget that I ever lived anywhere else. I always seem surprised when I talk about Telsoria. I guess I don't mention it much, but it's not like Zed talks about her time in the Empire either. Personally, I'm always forgetting that Lysol is from Telsoria. I'm not sure why they're still thinking about leaving. I know when they first found the station, they were actually on their way to the Ganon Islands, but still. They seem so in tune with this place. I mean, they're always hiding in the tucked away corners and fiddling with the decks. And I swear, the station maintenance spots are extra nice to them. (laughs) Sorry. I think I've rambled enough. Let's get into it, shall we? Lights. Music. Colors flashing. Lights. Flashing. Cameras. Flashing. People talk, people mingle, people dance. People drink, people eat, people dance. People take pictures, post on their feeds. Hashtag eternal party. Hashtag twin cities. Hashtag shine bright, Telsoria. The music twists and spins, weaving its way between the bodies. Images flash on the wall, flickering in time. Everyone is smiling. Everyone is moving, a life in motion. Everyone is dancing, even when they're standing still. They say it's the heart of Talsoria, and they're right. They say it's the quintessential Twin Cities experience, and it is. They say it's unmissable. Well, how could you miss it? From the 99th floor... The rays of light flash over the entire city, and the ground below the building thrums with the bass. Not to mention the sign, lighting up the night sky that shout the words in neon letters, Join the Eternal Party. At the center of it all is a woman, vibrant and radiant. 
She floats through the rooms, mingling and dancing and smiling, always smiling. If the eternal party is the heart of the Twin Cities, then Kina is the heart of the party. She is captivating. She is as eternal as her domain. Day or night, sun or monsoon, she is always there. And she is always dancing. There used to be a girl named Mako. She grew up at the bottom of the social ladder in Jeddah, Talsoria. Her dads worked all day, every day, before collapsing in their TV room at the end of the night. But somehow, their family never had a cent to spare. She resented the way her parents raced through life at the breakneck speed that Talsoria demanded, and yet never really seemed to get anywhere. But more than that, she was scared. Scared of how easy it would be to just end up like them. If she didn't break free somehow, she knew she'd end up working for the same pharmaceutical company her dads worked at, and that her grandparents had worked at before them. Mako knew that everyone felt the future closing in on them sometimes, and that everyone was scared of turning into their parents. She knew that not everyone could be a superstar, but she also knew that some people did rise up from the crowd, emerging into something unique and special. And though she could see one possible future in the lines of her parents' faces, she could see another in the bright lights and towers of the Twin Cities. And she knew she was better. Better than her parents, better than her friends. She was destined for more. She had to be. She began her campaign for a bigger life the same way she'd always gotten what she wanted. Networking. She used her existing connections to meet more people and gain more invitations to increasingly elaborate events. She began going by the handle Always Kina and dressing in strange and elaborate styles, anything to distance herself from her old life and from the rest of the city. Mako, who is now Kina, climbed and crawled and squeezed her way into the high society life of Jeddah and New Syrium. But still, she felt a craving for something more. Her social media feeds had more views than ever before and her channel was growing steadily, but in her day-to-day -day life she found herself dissatisfied with, well, everything. The lights never felt quite bright enough, and the noise of the city couldn't drown out her own racing thoughts. What if this was as far as she got? What if this was her whole life, struggling to keep afloat in high society, always feeling like she was pretending? Kina would spend all her free time at the loudest and brightest parties the Twin Cities had to offer. But the only times she felt truly happy were the few minutes at night she could lose herself completely to the dance floor. Kina could dance in a sandstorm without missing a flick of her wrist or a twist of her hips. She felt the lights shine on her, through her, and thought, I want this forever. I never want to leave this moment. Of course, all parties must end. Or so she thought at the time. Eventually, the crowd would disperse, and Kina would have to make her way back home to her small apartment on the edge of Cheddar, where her parents would scold her for the pills they thought she'd taken. That was, if they talked to her at all. 
She knew that at 22 she should have moved out years ago, but the money from her streams was barely enough to keep her up to date on the latest clothes and technology, and if she slowed down enough to take a job, she'd lose everything she'd worked for. Kina was not naive enough to think that she was the only one walking the path she did. Even the most elite of the events Kina got invited to had so many outer city nobodies desperately pretending to be someone they weren't. Each one held firm to their belief that they were special, that they would make it, that they would be one in a million. Kina is only special in that, eventually, she got lucky. We're just gonna hang out for a little while. I'll see what information I can get, and then we'll head home, okay? Okay! Remember, always make sure you can see me, because that means I can see you. And don't leave Eris. <laughs> it should be a good place to find revolutionaries, or at least someone who can help me find one. You can hang out wherever, as long as I can see you. And don't get in the way. I won't. How'd you find this place anyway? Uh book club? Really? Yeah. Sitch's uncle runs it. He said we could come hang out anytime, so we're going now. Huh. Okay. Okay, we're gonna turn in here. But this is an alley. I thought you said this place was, like, popular. Yeah, but only to people who know how to find it. Come on. Okay. Come on, Eris. This should be it. Come on, up we go. Let's go find a seat. Okay. I see one over there. Remember, you stay here with Eris, don't talk to anyone you don't know, and stay out of trouble. I'm gonna go walk around, see what I can find out. Good luck! Thanks. See you soon. Huh. It's been a while since we heard from memory. I hope Faye isn't getting into anything over a fair head. The tide started turning for Kina when she got her very first sponsorship. It wasn't one of the Senate brands, but she had a contact do a bit of digging and found out that the small family-owned lipstick brand was actually a subsidiary of Cosmetican. So she figured it was close enough. With that sponsorship, she was able to grow her channel even further, get bigger and better sponsorship deals, and enlist several marketing agents. The agents helped her plaster the username Always Kina on flashing billboards across the cities until, in the span of a month, she became a household name. With her wacky documentary-style commentary on party life and her always-changing looks, she became both a trendsetter and a popular entertainer. She was finally able to move out of her parents' place and into her own inner-city apartment. As she gazed out the window at the glitz, Talsoria's largest party tower, she began to form an idea.
Of course, even the biggest stars in Talsoria fade, and most fade very quickly indeed. So it came as no surprise to Kina or her marketing team when slowly but surely the public began to lose interest in her exploits. Kina could feel it in her bones the first day she was no longer it, no longer the hot new thing on the scene, and she knew it was time to act. Three days later, Kina was standing on floor 99 of the Glitz, millions of credits in debt. She walked through the giant, sprawling rooms of the penthouse party suite. The metal edges of her boots echoed up to the tall, open ceilings as she paced back and forth, deep in thought. She could picture where everything would go. Speakers, carpets, drink dispensers, display screens, a holographic dance floor, the works. A week later, all eyes were back on Kina when her idea was announced to the public. It helped that everything was stamped with the Cosmetic Can logo, because everyone knew that Senate corporations have their best interests at heart. At the grand opening of the party, the vice president of Cosmetic Can herself made an appearance, giving a speech and shaking Kina's hand in front of the massed media. Then, the party started. Anyone who was anyone came that night, and the rooms were packed. There were no pretenders, no wannabes or fakers like Kina herself had been less than a year ago. She made sure of that. Her parents, who of course had seen the news along with the rest of the nation, didn't even try to come. They knew by now what answer their daughter would give them if they asked. At first, Kina's eternal party, as it was dubbed, wasn't truly eternal. How could it be? Kina had to be there to play host. She insisted on it, and there were no drugs out there that completely eliminated the need for rest. So there was a scant five hours of downtime during the day where the party closed, and the halls cleared out. It was a necessary evil, but one that resulted in huge losses to Cosmetic Can who profited off the hourly fees and Kina's makeup endorsements. Once, the company tried keeping the party going during those five hours by having a different host take over much to Kina's displeasure. She could easily see herself being replaced by this bright, new influencer, this young man who needed fewer layers of makeup to hide the tired circles under his eyes. That night, she forewent her rest and entered her own party as a guest, her features completely disguised by the products she sold for a living. Kina knew every nook and cranny of the party halls and every little thing that could malfunction. This young man may have been the most charming host Cosmetic Can could find, but he had not yet mastered the skill of keeping his eyes everywhere at once. Kina was able to wreak such havoc on the party, there was never a daytime host again. Still, the incident ate at Kina. The party really should go 24-7, but if she didn't make sure to keep the marketing focus solely on her face, she could lose everything. She stewed in this problem for several weeks before she approached her sponsor company with a proposal. She barely got through the elevator pitch before they agreed. The first test subject didn't go so well. That was fine, as far as Kina was concerned. The subject was only slightly disfigured, and Cosmetican promised they'd do their best to restore the subject's face. Kina threw more money into the trials, and the cosmetic surgeons tried again. The second try was close, 
but she thought about how many camera close-ups she had to do in a day and ordered them to give it another go. She made sure to throw enough money at the first two subjects that they wouldn't cause her any trouble. The third and fourth ones were successful. Kina met them in person for the first time after they'd been released from the cosmetic surgery clinic in a back room of floor 99. She greeted them warmly with a genuine smile. Things were falling into place. It should have been uncanny to see two people that looked exactly like her, but she'd seen her face on too many screens for it to even register as strange. So she set about training her two doubles on the ins and outs of the eternal party. With two of them, she would finally have enough time to rest. She could afford to slow down once in a while without fear of falling behind or being replaced. After all, Kina would still technically be at the party, reigning over the proceedings. I heard Proteus Islands falling behind us. I wonder if it's the season or if that man's just getting old. I hear about the new skyscraper they're building in Deadline. They're saying it's going to be taller than the National Communications Center. I cannot believe my day at work. Files spilled coffee all over my mobile, and it started smoking. I hope he has to pay for it, because if it comes out of my paycheck, So they're meeting on the east side again. I told her it's not a good idea, since they're bound to realize it's the same place, but she's going anyway. Said something about a kid, too. Don't know what she meant. She's a senile old lady. Probably meant nothing. You know, she is smarter than she looks. And thank goodness for that. She looks like she's been living on the streets. That's because she has been. Anyway, she and Mel have been talking. That's never good. Think it affects us? Probably not, to be honest, but who knows? Maybe they'll send us to track down whoever was talking about the prince. Excuse me? I think you're talking about me. Mind if I sit? I met the woman you're talking about. Kid, it's not polite to eavesdrop. We're having a private conversation. Fairly loudly, in a public place, and mentioning the prince? I think you weren't being very careful. Look, if you're the kid Nick was talking to, then I have a message for you, from her. Uh, she asked you to give me a message? <laughs> no, but she did say I wish that kid would keep fair nose out of what Faye doesn't understand. Something to that effect. I understand enough. The revolution still has hope, and I want to help. I can help. Sorry, kid, I don't think you're of any use to- Ow! If Faye didn't know we were part of the revolution, Faye do now. So, you might as well include me in your conversation. I can be useful. Here's all I'm going to say. We don't need kids. We certainly don't need you. And it's not a place for those who don't know what Faye getting into. What can I do to prove myself? There has to be something. Sorry, kid, you're out of no. luck. Wait, hold on. Has the door been locked? What? The mechanism above the door, it... <sighs> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, pardon me. Sorry about this. Uh, excuse me. Sorry, sorry, excuse me. Sorry. Soma, we've gotta go. Oh, hey, did no you... No time. The door just locked. We've gotta get out. What? Come with me. Excuse me? Hi there, what can I do for you? Is there a back door that we could use to exit? I think the front is locked. Oh dear. 
I'll go and check that, but sure. You can use that door there. Thank you. Come on, someone. No we one move. Oh. We're looking for... <gasps> hey, come on! I don't know, but I got all I needed. Are you okay? Yeah. Good, good. Let's go home. Okay. That could have gone a lot worse. The party continued day and night for five years without issue. It grew and grew and became a fixture in New Syrium. People from all across Telsoria came to stay at the party for as long as they could afford, and then came back again when they were next able. There were events hosted, albums debuted, new makeup lines announced, and weddings held all within the constant noise and movement of Floor 99. Kina was happy, more or less. She had what she wanted. Besides, Whenever she felt annoyed by something or someone, she could toss some credits at it and generally, the problem would get solved. Her dads had told her that there were some problems money couldn't fix, but if there were, Kina hadn't found them. For enough credits, you could get anything. One night, Kina was lying in her bed staring up at the screen on her ceiling, twitching her fingers to flip through her feed with her connector nail polish. She was drifting off to sleep when a call came through. She frowned. There were only a select few people whose calls would come through at all, let alone at this time of day. She answered, feeling a mixture of annoyance and anxiety churning in her stomach. Almost before she heard the voice of the Eternal Party's security manager, she was flicking her fingers to bring up the live camera feeds of Floor 99. She gasped as she saw a scene from her nightmares. Not a single person in the room was smiling. She muted the call and turned on the feed's audio, only to hear her own voice ringing out over the horrifyingly low music. Static rang in her ears, and she could barely make out the words her double was saying. But she knew they weren't flattering. Obscenities, directed at some of the most affluential patrons. Screaming, horrible, life-shattering words. Then the awful speech stopped, and Kina flicked through the different cameras in time to see her double jump off the punch table and run into the wall and... No. No! She reached behind the hidden panel and pulled the lever. Kina jumped out of bed, but she could only watch in horror as the sprinkler system activated. The guests were drenched. Worst of all, it seemed like the double was far from finished. Kina stood helplessly in her room as the double ran throughout the floor, wrecking everything that Kina had worked so hard on. She longed to go over there and punch that miserable imposter, but she knew that if they were ever together at the same time, the jig would be up and her empire would crumble regardless. Then, Kina came to her senses. She didn't need to go personally. She just needed to tell... Ah, right. She just needed to tell the security manager to fix this. She got him on the phone and told him in no uncertain terms that it was his job to stop whichever double this was. Kina spent a few hours screaming down different comm lines, 
offering raises and bonuses to get things done fast. She got the other double in to go host the party while she slept, and by the time it was the original Kina's turn to host, things were well on their way to being smoothed over. Kina's rage was still present, but had been somewhat soothed by the satisfaction that the double had failed. It was a decent plan, she conceded. Use her own face to ruin her reputation. But it would never work. In fact, in the coming days, the press she gained from the incident brought even more guests to the party. She gave her face to someone else, and the show carried on. Tonight was the new double's first time hosting without a comm device feeding her instructions. Kina watched her on the screen in her apartment for a bit before switching to her favorite streamer and watching that instead. No need to micromanage. Kina's earpiece chimed with a familiar tone that let her know someone had been led up to her flat. She frowned. She couldn't think who would be on the access list that wouldn't know to call her first. She looked to her cameras and saw herself. Odd. The doubles didn't normally come by her place. Still, Kina let her in. In the end, it was the oldest of tricks that did her in. As soon as the double stepped in the door, she shouted suddenly and pointed towards the windows. Kina turned to look and felt a sudden, sharp pain in her back as her double stabbed her right between the ribs. Kina screamed. She tried to flick her fingers in the right pattern to trigger the alarms, but suddenly the double had her hand pinned. Kina was terrified, but she wasn't worried. She was famous. She was rich. Of course, she had constant biometric tracking enabled. Judging by the amount of blood she was losing, security had already been notified and were on their way. There was no way the double could get away with this, and Kina told her as much. They'll catch you, she said. I'm tracked and watched at all times. They'll know I'm dead. They'll know you did it. They'll cut your wires or throw you in a cell. The double laughed, though there was no joy in it. <laughs> no, they won't, she said. <laughs> Who'd run the party? Kena bled out on the floor, and the woman above her kept talking. The city won't care. Do you think they care about you? Really? They care about the party, Kena. The party is good for the city. The party is good for the brand, and they'll do whatever's best for them. Your face is the heart of the party, not you, Kina. And I have your face. At the center of Talsoria's eternal party is a woman, vibrant and radiant. She floats through the crowd, mingling, dancing, and smiling, always smiling. If the Eternal Party is the heart of the Twin Cities, and Kina is the heart of the party, she is captivating. She is as eternal as her domain, day or night, sun or monsoon, she is always there. She is always dancing. The party carries on. Wow. I wonder when that was. It's strange to think that someone could just be replaced like that and, and no one would notice. I mean, we, I, 
I always meant to go to that party someday, you know, just to see what it was like. Not really my brand, but, you know, sometimes things can just be for fun. Yeah? Theoretically. Well, from wherever you are to wherever we are, stay safe, stay moving, and stick close. You've been listening to Station Arcadia. Station Arcadia is a podcast by Metal Steve Productions and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. It is produced by Eliana SD and CVVM and directed by Tova Brantner. It is edited by Eliana SD and J.R. Seal with soundscaping by Becker Huang and music by Theo Goodwin. Today's episode was written by Eliana SD with scenes by Tova Brantner and J.R. Steele. It featured Jade Virginia as Cass, Allison Cardenas as Memory, F.A. Calkins as Soma, J.R. Steele as Eris. Josephine Bernson as Patron 1, Rowan Wright as Patron 2, Quinn O.A. Feinberg as Patron 3, Sterling Ray as Patron 4, Eliana S.D. as Patron 5, Sidemir as The Bartender, and Tova Brantner as Enforcement. Join us on Twitter and Tumblr at Station Arcadia for more content. Check out our website, stationarcadia.com, for a transcript of this episode as well as information on the cast and crew. The week of the week is the 20th to the 26th of December, 2020. Hello, hello, ghouls, ghosts, goblins, and everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with hosts Emma and Zelda. We're two amateur cryptozoologists on a mission to explore the things that lie beyond. Beyond what? I I, I don't know. The the veil? It it just sounds poetic and mysterious. True. (laughs) Learn about cryptids, folklore, monsters, and things that are just kind of haunted. Anything that seems a little otherworldly and strange. Just like us. <laughs> New episodes out every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at across.the.veil and Twitter at acrossthevail one We hope you join us next time. Across, across the Veil. veil.